Hello, everybody, and hello, Janet Lee. Thank you for that super, super, super playing of those good old courses. Wow. And hello, everybody. We've got a lot to cover today. And let me tell you in advance, I last week, I had so much I wanted to cover. And I wanted to get it out so bad. But I saw that I was not going to be able to get into some of the major revelations that I wanted to get into. And truthfully, I just got frustrated. I was just frustrated. And uh, I don't want to get frustrated this week. So what we are preparing to do, what we're going to do today, is we're going to put our regular broadcast on for the regular time that we do. Then we're going to take a break for lunch. And we're going to come back on with a, uh, a second part called um, Analog with Angels Part 6B. And so this will be our B, and it'll be, uh, uh, we'll go on for another maybe 40 minutes or so as a second presentation. So um, if um, you can hang in there and get all that information, you're going to be pretty enriched and enlightened. Okay, so we're starting off today with this, with this uh, subject that I mentioned on the mail-out. I'm titling it a little different. I'm calling it One Eye Heaven. One Eye Heaven. And uh, we'll read from the book of uh, Mark. And Mark, of course, is right after Matthew. And so in the book of Mark, chapter 9, uh, verse 47. And let us see what we can find. Here's how it goes. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. Okay, now um, we want to talk about that 
Um, we want to talk about uh, the kingdom of God um, is referred to in several places as heaven. Uh, sometimes it's, uh, they'll say the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. Uh, so we're, we're just going to use this as, uh, as though that is what the reference is, because really that is what it is. Uh, so how, how do you end up being cast into, um, well, let's say, how do we end up being, re uh, being brought into a heaven with one eye? What kind of a heaven is that? What, what kind of a heaven would it be that you would have one eye? Uh, and um, by the same token, uh, what kind of hell would it be where it says, and having two eyes to be cast into hell. Because there is something about both of those expressions that seem to clearly indicate physical bodies. There's physical bodies being represented. And this is not just a spirit world. Because a spirit world wouldn't have to worry about having one eye or two eyes, because everything is quite different with a spirit world versus a physical, human-like type of world. So I want to give you the answer to this. And I want to say that any person that was going to be entering the kingdom of God with one eye was definitely not someone that was going to the heaven of heavens, the first domain. That is the, the spirit heaven. That is where God is. The Bible says God is a spirit. That is where God is, the ultimate invisible God. There's no body to see. It's invisible. God is invisible. And, and um, so it definitely wouldn't be that kingdom of God, that heaven, then what would it be? Well, it definitely is talking about the Father's house. John 14. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not true, if it were not so, I would have told you. I go away to prepare a place for you. Now even that language, prepare a place, you would never do that in the first domain because it is a kind of pluperfect situation where everything uh, never changes. It's always in the ultimate perfect sense. That is why that births and deaths can never take place in the first domain. There can never be any alteration to the, the perfect flow of things. And that is why the universe is used for having births and deaths so that new spirit souls can be born that eventually would be able to enter the first domain or the heaven of heavens. So what we have here then is people that would be going to the father's house, Artura. Now, 
when it says it's better to go with one eye than two, it definitely tells you something. It is, it is something that is, is very clearly being revealed there. Uh, and, and Paul describes it. Paul talks about the two kinds of persons uh, that have to do with uh, being transformed to another location. And he says, you know, uh, that we shall not all sleep. So you got the group that is that sleeps, and then you got the group because in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, you know, where something's going to happen, and you're going to suddenly be with the Lord. And the Lord said in the 14th chapter of of John, I go away to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. So there's the connection to the Father's house. And the Father's house is a physical house. We will be getting into that more later. Now, what does this tell us where it says um, you might be able to enter into the Father's house with one eye? How could that happen? Well, here's how it could happen. These are people described in the 24th chapter of, of the book of Matthew in which the angels are gathering them from the four corners of the earth and they are alive and they have their present bodies. And these uh, planodomes and ziths of the angels are gathering these elect persons from the four corners of the earth and the bodies that they have, that is what they are, are transporting. So if one person ends up having only one eye, that's the body that they have. That doesn't mean that person won't get uh, healed in, in the Father's house, but when he leaves the earth, He's leaving with only one eye and he's going to be transported to the Father's house with one eye. Now, if this person was in the sleep and was later being, being resurrected and the resurrection was of the nature that, um, uh, that this person was going to be resurrected and and be a, a, of a select group uh, that would be uh, regenerated or that would be uh, uh, resurrected, which could mean having the same body. We're going to get into some interesting things on all of that. Um, then there is a, there is scripture that would tell us that those people would not come with one eye or one leg. Or, or one arm with body parts missing. How do we know that? Well, there is an example that is given in the 37th chapter of the book of Ezekiel. So if we, if we read from the 37th chapter, it is very interesting how that we're going to show you the, um, the reason why if you're resurrected from the sleep, 
you would not be coming with one eye. That could only happen if you are being transported in the body that you are as it is from the earth location to the Father's house location. In the 37th chapter of Ezekiel, verse 1, the hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, they were very many in the open valley and lo, they were very dry. And he, meaning the Lord, uh, he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones uh, live? And I answered, O Lord, thou knowest. Again he said unto me, Prophesy unto these bones, and say unto them, O you dry bones of the of the Lord, of you dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause, I will cause a breath to enter into you, and you shall live. I will lay, I will lay sinews upon you. I will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you. You shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. I prophesied, and there was a noise, and behold, a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, and lo, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. And he said unto me, Prophesy unto the wind. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord, and we're talking a God wind here, Come, O from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these land that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded, and the breath came into them, and they, and, and, and they lived and stood upon their feet an exceeding great army. Verse 11, Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried, our hope is lost, we are cut off from our parts. We see that these people who were cut off from their parts, and that can mean more than one thing, but it could also mean that parts of their connections to other people, their links to other people, their tribe ships, but it could also mean functioning parts, legs, arms, eyes, ears. Because we see that in this prophecy that the bones all come together. So if there were any bones that had been broken and or, or cut off or separated, all these bones in the resurrection would be coming together from the single DNA of any bone. The wholeness of that person would be resurrecting and that person would become a whole person. Now they have provisions on the uh, planet Arturia, the father's house, where they can take people and they can restore them. It's very advanced medical. And so, in the end, there would be nobody there with, you know, missing parts and, and one eye. But on the journey from the earth, where they in, had the one eye, till they got to Arturia and had their opportunity, 
that is the only way they could have entered into that kingdom of God, that, that paradise, the Bible describes it, that heaven with one eye. And so now you know how that, that story goes. Now the Father's house planet is a physical planet because in the book of Revelations it tells us that the Ark of the Covenant was seen in heaven. It would not have been seen in the first domain. There are no physical things in the first domain. It's a spirit world entirely. But it, they, it, you know, it could be seen in the, the Father's house, and that's where the, um, the Ark of the Covenant is moved to in heaven. And it says so in the book of Revelations. It also says in the book of Revelation that the new Jerusalem that the Bible speaks of and that Christians are looking for and the Jews are looking for, that it's going to be, it's going to come down from heaven. It's not going to be built like all of the other uh, temples and, and houses of the Lord and, and walls of Jerusalem were built in the past. Even though there were spiritual attributes that were interwoven into the mechanism of, of you know, like making uh, some of these building uh, and and uh, uh, you know f uh, various uh, uh, efforts that were put together to to build these, it was done so that they could hear, there was no hammering that was heard in the place. But even though they did all those kind of things. It won't be the same because this particular Jerusalem is going to be like a planetome and it's going to come down. It's going to be much larger than any other Jerusalem they've ever had as far as, you know, the temples and the worship and, and all that, which would be quite different from anything like the old temples. And so that is a physical thing. And, and those are physical things coming from a physical planet called the Father's house. And that is then the revelation and the tie-in to that, that one-eyed heaven. Well, there are the sleeps. We talked about, you know, those that are asleep. Um, Matthew 9, 24, Mark 5, 39, Luke 8, 52, talk about a lady that the people thought was dead. In one instance, she's being carried in a coffin or sepulcher to be buried. But Jesus happens to come along and he says, this woman is not dead. She sleepeth. Now, there is no doubt something so deep, so embedded of meaning that there is a, a super kind of interpose, an interposition that happens in which people go into a sleep, but it's not considered the sleep 
that is a sleep of death. We're not exclusively speaking of death of the physical. Because sometimes it can also mean death of the spiritual, like the second death. But we will leave that open. But to understand that these particular instances that have happened had a destiny factor to them. And this woman was involved in a destiny factor. And she was to be awakened out of that sleep. And we know there were other cases in which we talked about, uh, you know, last week, about uh, a better resurrection. And how that there were those uh, persons, though, that, uh, you know, didn't opt for the better re resurrection. They just wanted their child back or their, their loved one back. And so they got that wish. They got that loved one back. But there were others that said, no, uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and just give myself to death. These torturers of mine are going to take my life. I'm not going to give in to them. I'm not going to change my confession. I'm not going to change my faith in God, my allegiance to God, my loyalty to God. And it says that they were given a better resurrection. Paul then goes on to describe how important that was because it was connected somehow to all the people that would live at a later time who needed those people, and those people needed the people who are going to be living at a later time, and we'll get into that, Lord willing, later, those connected things that have to do with the sleep are deep, are broad, are vast, are intertwined, and there is much to be said about them. We know that um, it also talks about uh, in John 11, and if we look at uh, John 11, 11, uh, it, it says, um, These things saith he, after that he saith unto them, saith unto them our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, if he is asleep, if that's all there is, in other words, he, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he, has, he had spoken of taking a rest in sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, to the intent that you may believe, nevertheless let us go to him. Now Jesus had a purpose in saying sleep because he understood a distinguished difference. In the terms of human definition, Lazarus was dead. And he was mummy-wrapped and rigor mortis had even uh, uh, happened because he, he stunk. 
And so in the vocabulary of humans, they would absolutely say he is dead. But Jesus understood something different. Jesus understood there was a destiny and he was not meant to be there when Lazarus died because then people might have said, oh, this is, there's some kind of a plan here. So he said, for your sake, so that you could better believe, I'm glad that I wasn't there when he died. But he says, We're going, let's go to him. Uh, you know, because he understood this sleep, this sleep thing means that there is a living resonance that is available to that person. And it doesn't even matter if his body has started to, to rot. One small DNA cell or from a hair or, or from a fingernail or whatever can reinvigorate his life. And all that takes is the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then God spoke his Word, and it was made into flesh. Wow. So this thing about the sleep could be quite different because there is a there is an attachment to it for certain there's an attachment with david the bible says in one place first kings 11:21 david slept with his fathers david slept with his fathers first kings 11:21 and yet in the New Testament, it says that David has not ascended, has not yet ascended. And we know from teachings I did with you recently how that David has not ascended because there is attached to his state of sleep, death, a resurrection in which he is going to become king again of of Israel and he's going to play a very very important part on the earth at a certain time again and he is not to go to some interlude or some other place he is just to be in this sleep right here on earth until it is the time for that attachment a kind of seal to be opened, and when it is opened, then his spirit will be able to come out of the sleep because his death is not into termination. It is not into termination. It is a, a, a death that has an attachment to it, a seal to it, that allows that person to come back out of that death at some particular time. No doubt in Ezekiel 37, all of these people, the particular people of Israel, they had an attachment, a seal, that was part of the condition of their sleep type of death. And though their 
there was a, an expansive time in which their bones had just become white and scattered and 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 very dry. It didn't matter. Once this destiny attachment was opened, and Ezekiel was used to open that, and then he was used as the instrument to make the prophecy. Now, what no doubt was happening there was a predeterminate experience of a virtual reality of something that was going to happen at a later time. Sort of like in the book of Genesis, when before there were any plants or vegetation or trees in the earth, they were already created in the spirit world, ready to be planted in the earth. Well, that happened with these bones of Ezekiel. They were all made ready by Ezekiel being used as a prophet and as the initiating essence of putting them into the, the spirit realm in virtual reality, ready whenever that time of attachment was unsealed in his fullness to be replanted on the earth. So, as I said, these things are are a deep subject. We know that had to have happened again in Matthew twenty seven fifty two, when Jesus said, "It is finished," and there was a great earthquake, and parts of the earth opened up. And in Matthew twenty seven fifty two, it says, "The body of the saints which which slept arose, and they came up out of their graves." And they went and witnessed to different people. Now, there's all, always a 30, 60, 100-fold of those kind of revelations. There is a sense in which there is a memory thing that is expressed here. But there's also a sense in some of the other folds in which there is a, literal, a literalization of this resurrection that had a attachment to it, a sleep that was not a, a, a sleep of ultimate death, but a sleep that was attached to an ultimate resurrection. And the only thing that was going on with the, the, dis, tem, the displacement was a temporary displacement in which there was a state of sleep before, or you could call it an interlude, before that event could be triggered. And the thing that triggered it was the when Jesus said it is finished, and when the earthquake happened and the and the the ground split open, that triggered that it was the, the opening of the seal. And the body and these people were saints that were in the sleep, they arose. They were, they were into a resurrection. So the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 20, that Christ is the first fruits of those that sleep. 
Now the first fruits of, of Jesus Christ is his resurrection. So there are a first fruits type of, of people that are in the sleep. And those that are in the first fruits uh, type of sleep are in that same type of sleep that Jesus went into when he went down into uh, visit the prisons, uh, the, the, the spirits in prison. And, uh, and then he, he arose again uh, from out of the, uh, the, the grave, out of the sleep, out of the that, that death sleep or whatever you want to call it. But it was not a sleep of the ultimate death. It was a sleep of a temporary state like death. And it had an attachment to it, a seal to it, that that he would arise on the third day, and he had prophesied that would happen, and that was all part of a destiny. So there are people out there who you could look at and say they're dead, but they're really not ultimately dead. They are just in a transition of sleep because they have attached to them a seal which has a point of time, a point of destiny in which they will come back on earth or wherever it would be uh, and come out of what would then be called the sleep. So those things are, are very, very interesting uh, in my opinion. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 30, uh, let's... Um, let me just turn and look at, at that because that is a very interesting scripture. First Corinthians, you can turn to it, 1130. Okay, First Corinthians 1130. And uh, this, this has uh, some, you know, deep, deep word in it, really. And uh, I, I, I just love these uh, scriptures with, with their deep meaning. Let's start with... Um, uh, verse 20, uh, let's start with verse 25. Uh, no, 24. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the same manner, also he took the cup when he had sipped or supped, saying, The cup is the New Testament in my blood. Do this as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. Now that's pretty interesting to think you got a New Testament in your blood. That's a different kind of blood than most people have. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so drink, so let him uh, eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. Now, what it is saying there is there is a revelation that has to do 
with the, with the Lord's body. And it goes back to that time when Jesus said, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you cannot have part of the kingdom of God. And from that time on, many of the, the, the followers, disciples and, and followers, did not follow him anymore. So as we begin to see and understand that, we begin to see that this thing of sleep is fascinating. And there are people who erroneously and ignorantly and by perhaps fallacious information or by not discerning the body, not discerning the message of the scripture. When people take these, this communion, the Eucharist, they have an idea of what that is about. And what they think it is about is like what the Holy Manifest said. What you see is not what is. What you see is what is not. And so not understanding that thing about the body, not understanding that revelation, is plain outright dangerous of destiny because it could change a destiny if you don't discern it. And you are partaking of it because what you have done is you have climbed into the mode of obeying the things that Jesus has said to do, which were symbolic and metaphors of something that was very, very important to understand, first in a virtual reality sense, and then in a physical, spiritual sense. And that physical, spiritual sense, of course, is part of trans-assimilation. Without understanding the trans-assimilation, that, that the whole New Testament of everything that has to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ is, is in the blood of Jesus Christ. And as we will hopefully get into this subject later, it is a major, major, major revelation of salvation. And it is a way that people that are struggling with their sins and struggling with their faults, stumbling and, and feeling like they're unworthy, can overcome this damnation by being able to discern the body and how that a person is supposed to apply this communion so that you are able through Jesus Christ to overcome your sins and not in yourself and by yourself and through yourself overcoming the sins, but overcoming your sins in Jesus Christ. And so, many are sick and sleep before their time. Okay. We're going to take a break. Janet Lee is coming to the organ.
Praise God. All right. Thank you again, Janet Lee. Okay, so finishing up a little bit on this sleep thing. Um, <clears throat> you know, First uh, Thessalonians 4.14 talks about uh, those which sleep in Jesus. First um, Corinthians uh, 15.51 was that scripture where Paul says, we shall not all sleep. You know, uh, some of us were going to we're going to be taken up in the first resurrection. <laughs> okay, and um, then uh, there's another interesting scripture as we sort of put some of these all together. Uh, believe me, they will all fit on the saddle that goes on the white horse ministry. Matthew thirteen twenty five. But while the men slept, the enemy came. This is talking about the tares, when the tares were sown. That when men slept, the enemy came and sowed the tares. So there is a preponderance here that is far more extensive than anyone should ever dare to belittle. Because when Satan, the Bible says Satan, the devils, sowed these tares, and these tares are in the, the crop of, of, of the field, which is the world, and, and, and the wheat represents the, the harvest, the people, the individuals. And while they slept, the enemy sowed the seed. Now, there is a very deep meaning there that I think has oftentimes been overlooked and missed. And that is that we know how the, the disciples could hardly keep awake in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus more or less told them that he was going to be betrayed and that he was going to you know, be crucified. And um, it, there's something about this thing Sleep, even though there are different levels and meaning of the word sleep, there's the sleep that when, you know, your body just falls into that slumber. And, and, uh, and there is that connectedness to that kind of sleep because when you're in that slumber and, you know, you're going to wake up the next morning, but like you're in that sleep, you're in that slumber, but you're still alive. You're not dead. And that's the idea of calling it a sleep. When something or someone is in this sort of a, a spirit and and mental uh, slumber, and um, for every everything that would be descriptive of human vocabulary, you could be considered dead, but in the sense of a spiritual interpretation, you could not uh, necessarily be under that ultimate death thing, but under this thing I have been describing as a sleep in which you have an attachment, you have a, a seal, uh, and that, that you, know, you can come back, and that you will come back at a, at a time of destiny. So um, yet we see that there is this danger that when men are in that sleep, in Job, it talks about 
in in when a man is asleep in a deep slumber uh that that, that sometimes once yea twice yea thrice these dreams will come and be revealed so that we see that in the in the sleep consciousness and and subconsciousness there are things that do happen and and so Jesus is describing that there was a time when there was a general uh, a sleep subconsciousness in effect. And, and during that time of sleep subconsciousness, and this would be going way, way back, you know, uh, you know uh, even uh, before Adam, to, to, the, to, to the time of the, of the souls that did not have, uh, you know, um, uh, to this time, a, a type of the people souls, that did not have spirit souls, and uh, and uh, uh, Satan began to plant the these tares into them, knowing that ultimately Adam would be born of the Euphrates peoples, as it describes it in the sixteenth chapter of, of Ezekiel, and and that that he, that he as a baby would be found and raised by the a- angels, but it would say right there that you know he was polluted, and so. That was all part that happened way, way, way back during the sleep. Now, being a, a baby and a little child that has not developed, you're, 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 you're no longer embryonic, but you are born as a baby, uh, that is almost qualified as another kind of sleep, a sleep in which uh, you do not have all your uh, cog- cognitive senses uh, to be able to select or make a choice or make a, 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 a refuse of something or an agreement of something. So during these times, Lucifer, Satan's demons know just when to come in and do their planting and plant their, their, their tares during this thing called the sleep. There are stories about how that various kinds of demons uh, prey on people during during their sleep. Uh, I don't want to terrify anybody by talking about that, and I think that any Christian uh, can just put up the prayers that will protect them from any such invasion. But there are definitely uh, historical, um, you know. Um, uh, stories and historical happenings in which you can see that that Satan and his demons are wise enough to to come in at a time when there can be the uh, be the least resistance and and to make that that implanting and then that implanting is going to be there to the end of the world because if you begin to take take uh, th- these tears out of the people. Uh, the kind of operation it would be uh, would destroy a big part of the people. Jesus said, "You'll you'll destroy the wheat." So you have to leave it till the till the end of the world before that uh, separation can totally be be t- uh, taken out. Now, there is only one person of all the Ophanims who did not sin, and that was Jesus Christ, and. Adam was chosen to bring sin into the world. I think it's the eighth chapter of Romans, and to make this sin sin to be magnified and be revealed. Uh, 
But it was uh, more, there was more to it than just that. There was not only the sin that happened from before the world, but there was the, the physical pollution as well as the spirit pollution. And, and so that had to be brought, had to be manifested so that there could be something done to deal with it, to eradicate it. There was only one person of the Ophanims who did not sin, and that Ophanim was the, 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 the leader of all the Ophanims. He was the captain of the host. He was the, <clears throat> the lord of the host. And that was uh, Yaviel, who then came down as Jesus the Christ. Now, because that he did not have any sin that he was bringing into the world, and because that he did not have a situation where not having that sin he could be planted into because there are laws when you have any human being or any entity that has a spirit soul. Those same laws are not there if you're just a a uh, uh, you know a a body soul, a physical body soul. You're much more open to the forces of of Satan and the forces of darkness. But a spirit soul soul does have some certain protection. But if there is an indentation, if there is that that sin. You know, that was how that his tail was able to cast one-third of the angels down from heaven. The one-third being the Ophanim, leaving the two-thirds, one-third of the seraphims, one-third of the cherubims. So that opening was there, but that opening was not there with Jesus Christ. So now, by regeneration, we don't try to get our sins um, you know, eradicate it from this mortal body that has written in it the sentence of death. We instead become buried with Jesus Christ in baptism, resurrected with Jesus Christ in the resurrected by trans, uh, uh, trans, uh, you know, insemination. Like like when we when we come into this this uh, experience uh, because the the, if the testament, the New Testament is in his blood. And so we, we come into the blood of Jesus, which is the life. The blood is the life. So we transassimulate to the life of Jesus Christ so that we are in him. Being in him, we overcome the tares because Jesus does not have any tares in him. And so he bears the sins of the world without being corrupted by the tares. And by bearing the sins of the world, he makes himself the vessel as a, as, as a, a bosom in which he takes us all in and we become fetuses living in him, taking on his... Re his power of redemption and his love. Because greater love has no man than he that would lay down his life for a friend, and that is what he did for us. I 
can't talk about that too much because it it is so beautiful. It is a subject that is just wondrous. So while some men slept, the enemy came in and sowed the tares. But you know what? When we are asleep in Jesus Christ, the whole analogy changes. The whole situation is different. We become part of the first resurrection, not the second re resurrection. Now, what will happen after the Great Tribulation? People think, a lot of people think that's just going to happen any time. But, you know, we who are in this deep manifest teaching know that that is not the teaching at all. We know that this is a long, long, long ways off. And uh, it's going to be closer to the, the uh, end of, of the time of the 70,000, 80,000 years. And uh, then people that begin to be born, uh, you know, just before that tribulation or just during that tribulation or slightly after that tribulation, when they uh, uh, transpire, they will go into the sleep and stay on earth because it will not be that long of a time before the conclusion of all the things that are going to happen and the, and the, the white judgment. And so uh, there is a constant flow of change that, that happens. And, and, and the effect of things, you know, uh, Jesus said the, the, in John five twenty nine, the hour is coming in which all that are in the graves shall hear my voice and shall come forth. And they that have, have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. And, uh, you know, um, that's why it's predicting these, uh, at that time, souls that would be under the altar. It's because of all that time frame, Revelation 6, 9 through 10. And, and it's called the fifth seal. And, and that's all tied in with lots and lots of revelation. You know, and um, uh, it's, Paul was including everything. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. First Corinthians fifteen fifty one, and uh, And these souls under the altar, you know, they want to know how long that they got to just be in this, in, in, in this, uh, you know, uh, displacement and waiting. Uh, but, but, you know, it's all part of the plan of God. And, uh, <clears throat> but we know that, that uh, there is a resurrection of the just and the unjust, Acts 24, 15. Uh, we know that in Romans 6, 5, that uh, we'll be planted in the likeness of his death, and, uh, and uh, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. And uh, it is so important to have that understanding. It is so important. Now, when, you know, Lazarus died... He had been uh, th four days, and he stunk. And when Jesus said, roll the stone away, they said, well, are you sure? There's going to be a horrible stink and smell come out. He's been in there for four days. And Jesus groaned within himself, roll the stone away. And, uh, and then he said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus did come forth because Martha had first met with him before this happened. And and he and he was you know talking about the resurrection for Lazarus, and um, which he, that was the brother of of Martha, and she says, Lord, I know that in the resurrection, 
at the last day that he will be resurrected. But he wasn't talking about that particular metaphor. Yes, that's going to happen too. There's going to be last day resurrections like those people that are involved during the time of the tribulation and, and just before and just after because only a very short period of time. The time's going to be shortened during that time. And and uh, so uh, th that that is is all going to happen and that's all part of what the scripture is talking about, you know. But 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 prior to that, then there's going to be all kinds of of uh, various uh, uh, type of of applications of the meaning of 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 the of the resurrection and how it works and so forth. These things are are uh, just absolutely uh, utterly interesting. You know, it's just it's just utterly interesting. Um, when when Martha said. You know, I know at the end of time that, yes, he last day, that last day, you know, meaning just at the end of this closing of this of this um, time of the covenant, which the 105th chapter of of um, Psalms verifies and, and Galatians says that it can't be disannulled. Uh, and it's the, uh, you know, the thousand years of covenant that God has made and, and made a promise to. And that thousand years times 70 or times 80, uh, which is described in the 90th chapter of Psalms, which is the uh, life average, not the family type of average, but the life average of persons uh, is going to get make it 70 or, or, or 100, uh, pardon me, 70 or 80,000 years. When it gets into those that time, then you know you'll be it'll be the last day type of resurrection, and the people will be staying uh, here on the earth uh, for that. Now, um, uh, you know, uh, Jesus said to Martha, "I am the resurrection," and that was his answer. I am the resurrection. You're looking for a resurrection. Don't be so positive about wanting to have your resurrection. All you need to do is climb into the gospel ship called uh, Res Jesus Christ Resurrection, and, and you're, you got it made. You'll automatically come out to where you're supposed to come out, when you're supposed to come out, and where you're supposed to come out. And, and uh, that, is, that is, is, is the beauty of it all, you know, because uh, that we could call, uh, you know, uh, 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 isotope. Uh, that is is revealing, you know, um, the uh, the body, because in First Corinthians fifteen thirty five through forty four, it says the bodies we now have, called humans, is in seed form, and um, that resurrection is going to happen. It says you're thinking that you're you know you're going to come back looking like the seed. But when the seed dies, it doesn't come back looking like the seed. It comes back like a plant. Sure, there are seeds that are reborn, but but the plant is the body, and 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 the seed is not the body. And so that is, you know, what we have to understand. Uh, we should probably turn to that and read it. Let me turn to First um, Corinthians fifteen. Because that is quite a a powerful uh, 
examination by Paul of um, this whole thing thing that has to do with the uh, you know with the resurrection. Okay, now <clears throat> we're we're turning uh, to to uh, the fifteenth chapter of uh, uh, of First Corinthians, and we're looking at verse. 35 to begin, okay? Here's what it says. Some man will say, How are the dead raised up, and with what body do they come? Thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened, except it die. So what is Jesus saying here? Someone says, Okay, with what body do we come? Because Jesus knows that they're talking about, you know, uh, what's our body going to be? Are we going to come back at uh, 20 years old? Uh, are we going to come back at middle age? Are we going to come back at, as old people? Uh, as, you know, real young? Uh, you know, what, what's the body condition going to be? Uh, you know, and, and they're, they're, they're totally captioning on that idea of, you know, what's the state of our body going to be like? Are we going to have be totally healthy, uh, totally happy, uh, who will be our accompaniment? Will we have all of our friends and our family? And and uh, and and Jesus said, when you think like that, and when you talk like that, and when you believe like that, you are a fool. Okay. Now Jesus is saying this by the Holy Spirit through Paul, because I really believe this is the Word of God. Some man will say, how how are the dead raised up? How are they? That's where that comes from. You know, you know what kind of a body will they have? What age will they be? Who will they be with? Jesus said, that kind of thinking is a fool. That which you, thou sowest is not quickened except it die. So this body that you eventually end up returning to dust, and, and that's part of the things that the Bible says in Genesis has to happen, that from dust you were made and to dust you must return. So we're going to get into that after a while, and you're going to see how interesting that is uh, of, of that as it has is connected to some very interesting things. So, so he says, um, And that which thou sowest, verse 37 of chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, thou sowest not the body that shall be. So the Bible says that when your seed dies, when your body dies, you're not sowing the body that's going to be. You're sowing a, a, a different body and you don't even realize that. And it says, but, but, and that, and, and that, and that body that shall be, uh, it, if it bear grain, it may chance of wheat or of some other grain. Now, look at the word chance. How could chance come in there? Well, it could, because it, you know, the, the will of God flows, and circumstances flow, and the, 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 the choice of, of free agency flows, and so that produces this thing called chance. And the Bible says that to every person is given a time and a chance in the book of Ecclesiastes. So this chance thing is in there. And and so there is a chance 
that you could come back with one, one kind of a body or a different kind of a body. And that's what it says. And, and that's because there is such a versatility of all these things. Like, you know, when we look at the Bible and we say, okay, you know, heaven, we, we, it's, the people like to think that there's basically just one heaven. It's very confusing to them to think of there being a whole bunch of different heavens. That's very complicated to them. And, and uh, you know, people like to think that, uh, that there's just one hell. Very complicated to think there's just all kinds of different hells. But the fact of the matter is, is when the, the translators, the scholars, translated the words, there was many different kinds of hells, hells and many different kinds of heavens. But in order to make it simple for the people's mind to, to grasp it, they just put all those different terms under one name, like under heaven or under hell. So you had for you had words like Sheol, uh, you had uh, Gehenna, you had Tartaru, uh, you know, uh, Hades. I mean, you just had all these different names. Uh, but when you would read it in the Bible, you wouldn't see those terms. You would just see the term hell. But every one of those terms has a distinct difference from the other. The same thing with heaven. There are different heavens. You see, the Bible says Paul was caught up to third paradise, and it called that a heaven. That makes it clear right there uh, that there are at least three heavens, not counting the heaven of heavens. Because you got Paul being caught up to the third heaven, which was paradise. So that means there's a, a number one heaven, a number two heaven, a number three heaven, plus there's the heaven of heavens, number four. And we don't know, unless God's revealing it, where else that all goes to. And then there are many other terms in the Bible, many other terms that are just like that, where there's just like maybe one word, you know. And we think of resurrection. We just think of one kind of a resurrection. But we don't understand the diversity of the resurrection. Because, you know, perchance of, of wheat or some other grain, those are all perchance based on factors. And, and these factors are, are all uh, to do with choices. And, and then it all has to do with the will of God. So that the Bible says in the 38th verse of the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians, but God giveth it a body as it has pleased him, and to each seed his own body. All flesh is not the same flesh. There's different kinds of flesh of men, and etc., etc. Now let's skip down. Okay, verse 41. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars. And he took it even more more uh, exacting. For one star differeth from another star in glory. Now, we know that this has a double-edged meaning. There's the physical stars, but there are also the stars like the morning stars that it describes in the 38th chapter of Job, when the morning stars sing together for joy. And each one of those morning stars have a different glory. And so you can't just say star and then that tells you exactly, precisely the magnitude and every star is the same because they're not. Every star differs from another in glory. 
And it's the same thing with the resurrection. It's the same thing with hell. It's the same thing with heaven. Okay, let's go on. There is uh, uh, verse 42. So also is the resurrection. Now, just as there's all these differences of one star from another, so also is the resurrection of the dead. There are differences. And then there is a main crux, a main thing. It is sown in corruption. All resurrections are sown in corruptions. Even Jesus, who chose not to take on the body of, a, of an angel, took on the body of sin and death because he took on the seed of Abraham. So by doing that, he, he ended up taking on these bodies, but his a spirit within the body was differentiated than the spirits of other people because his spirit had not ever been involved in the sin or the fall of the angels. So he had a pure spirit inside of a, of a human body, which is an animal entity. Okay, so let's go on. So then it is sown in dishonor. Uh, it is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. The plan of the resurrection is that when you lay down and die, you're, it's dust going back to dust, and you are getting rid of, of a thing that is called corruption. That's called corruption. The human body is called corruption. And when the angels fell into the matter of what is the density of these human bodies, they fell into states of corruption because these human bodies are animal link and they are they are uh, uh you know a episode of corruption and so the only way that you're going to really get rid of this corrupted body is two a two uh, prone method number one uh by putting all of your allegiance and all of your life uh in a, in this dualship that you are what you are, you are where you are, you are all those things, and yet, you know, uh, though you're in the flesh, uh, you, you are not counted as being in the flesh because by the Spirit you're in Jesus Christ. And, and because of that, that gives you the power uh, that is manifold uh, to to anything else that could ever happen for you, and the people that don't have that, well, then they're they're just you know into greater the corruption. So, um, the resurrection of the dead is sown in in corruption. The resurrection is sown in corruption, period. But it is raised in incorruption. Now, this is talking about the people who are the just, who are the good resurrection. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it's raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. So the spirit, although we don't think of a spirit as having a body, it does have a body. And this body is capable of, of just taking on different forms 
and it can be invisible or or it can it can it can uh have a um a, a way of uh of uh, developing itself so that it can it can be seen uh in the sense of a photo transition or photo translation and so this was what happened with uh you know when when uh uh, Mary Magdalene saw the gardener and then found out he was Jesus and he said don't touch me you know I'm not yet ascended in other words he was in this process of of uh, you know of of dematerialization and rematerialization and and so very very important don't touch me because he knew your hand would go right through me and that'd be a horrible shock and uh, and that was still taking place just hours later then he was allowing people to touch him and encouraging the disciples besides to touch him. So we see that that was a temporary thing and, and the photo transition and all that does explain it. So, uh, so we have a spiritual body and we have a, a natural body. And, uh, you know, uh, it is written, the first man Adam was made a living soul, the last man Adam a quickening spirit. And so you see his ministry of the of Adam was to the physical because it was all about the propagating of 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 bodies that could uh, produce a house uh for the fallen angels to go into and to find their redemption and and then at the close of that life when the dust returned to, life, to dust they would be able to then be resurrected and return to the spiritual body and 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 that's all right here in the word of god you know you know so it says uh as is the earthly such are they also that are earthly verse 48 and as is the heavenly such are they also that are heavenly and as we have borne the image of the earthly we shall also bear the image of the heavenly but this i say brethren that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of god Neither does corruption inherit incorruption. So if you think that you are taking your body of flesh and blood to the heaven of heavens, the first domain, where the, the, the Alpha Omega, in, well, where the ultimate God, the invisible God abides, you've got to redo your thinking because that is not going to happen. That is not going to, to happen. There are not any, any physical bodies in the heaven of heaven. I'm I'm going to get into that subject, uh, you know, later. But um, uh, okay, really, really can see the power of of this Corinthians fifteen thirty five through forty four. It is utterly powerful, you know. And uh, with Jesus saying, "I am the resurrection," you know, uh, you know. But we I mentioned earlier about uh, Jesus uh, taking on the the seed of Abraham, not the seed of uh, of an angel. You can find that in Hebrews 2.16. He, Jesus, took on him the seed of Abraham. And um, we, we see that, uh, that uh, there's all kinds of things where there are remnants of the seed, like in Revelations 12.17, war with the remnant of her seed. Uh, Satan was warring with the remnant of this seed that he had not been able to destroy. And... and uh, uh, and yet we understand that in the end, according to Ephesians 6.12, the, 
that the war is not a war of flesh and blood, but it is, it is a war of the principalities, uh, you know, of darkness and light. So uh, <clears throat> we, we understand then this meaning of John twelve twenty four. Uh, Verily I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall to the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it die, it brings forth much fruit. So this thing of the power of propagation is is all ultimately tied in uh, to to this uh, returning to dust and and the the process of that, uh, because out of that, uh, you know, uh, comes the revelation of of uh, the propagation of much fruit. First Corinthians fifteen thirty six. I read that earlier. Thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened except it die. And yet the Bible tells us in Luke, uh, you know, uh, it says the seed is the word of God made flesh. Wow. The seed is the word of God made flesh. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word was made flesh. That's also in the book of John. Uh, I think one fourteen, and the word was made flesh. John one fourteen. So flesh uh, you know, um, is an important element because it's got to do with a transition. And and uh, the understanding of, uh, you know, planting uh, the Word, uh, the Word is the seed, uh, the seed of God. we we got to plant it. We are the Word of God. God created us by His Word. And, and so we have to plant this Word. And we have to uh, we have to shed the corruptible part, and and then come back into the spirit body, uh, which is a spiritual body, and uh, that all has to happen. And you'll see why that has to happen in a different and very unusual way as I get into uh, some revelation uh, later on Elijah and and all of that connection. Uh, we have so much more to cover. Um, the Bible says in Mark thirteen thirty-seven through 38, you know, uh, uh, it talks about the good seed. Uh, First Peter talks about you must be born again, not of corruptible seed. So the other birth is not of corruptible seed. Um, you know, uh, Romans 9, 6 through 8 says, they are not all of Israel which are of Israel, uh, nor are they all of Israel that are the seed of Abraham. Uh, you know, because the children of promise are counted as children, whether they're Gentiles, regardless of what tribe, regardless of what nation, regardless of what, what uh, gender. All of these things are major, and they apply in all of these various fascinating ways. Okay, <laughs> I've got a lot yet to cover, and I don't even know if I can get it done in this second part B. But remember, at 2 o'clock Mountain Time, now like if you live in California, you're an hour earlier than we are here. So it'll be 1 o'clock your time. You'll just have to check your time to see where that would all be at. But at 2 o'clock, we're coming back on, and we're coming on with, oh, do I ever, do I ever have a lot to share with you? It's... Uh, I don't know that I can get it done in just one more, uh, you know, attempt. But it's going to get us further up the road. 
And these things are really important for God's people to know. God bless you so much. We love you. We pray for you. We want you to learn these things. God bless you. See you at 2 o'clock Mountain Time. Amen.